Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I look up from the ground to see your sad and teary eyes You look away from me and I see there's something you're trying to hide And I reach for your hand but it's cold, you pull away again And I wonder what's on your mind Hi, I'm Dom Alessio and this is Other Side of the Tracks Each episode we feature a new release and talk to the artist about the inspiration, meaning and stories behind each song in this episode, we take a look at A Place We Knew, the debut album from Dean Lewis. The journey started in 2016, when he had initial success with his first release, Waves. But it was one song, which showcases his knack for turning everyday language into beautiful poetry that catapulted him around the world. In 2018, Lewis released his song Be Alright. It's been streamed more than half a billion times, and now he's a recognisable voice across Europe, the US and Australia. A Place We Knew is a stunning collection of songs, written in numerous locations with numerous producers over the last few years. But what really ties his debut album together is a central theme that focuses on Lewis's bittersweet memories of past relationships. Here is A Place We Knew by Dean Lewis. Doesn't matter, put the phone away It's never easy to walk away Let her go, it'll be okay It's gonna hurt for... If I could take the listener anywhere to listen to the album, it would be to a, like a suburban house in the Hollywood Hills. I love the feeling of... Uh, this, there's something in the air. I know it's quite polluted and stuff like that, but the way that the sun shines on, through the pollution makes the place seem golden. Um, you'd hear the cars driving by, the birds and all that stuff, and the green grass, because the grass in America is just so green. Um, and, I mean, this ties in with the album, I guess, is I, I picture that place as, uh, I call it a place that I knew, or as the album's called, The Place We Knew. Um, and the reason I called it that is because it's like when you drive past a house that you used to live in with your ex and all the memories are still there but you've sort of moved on and so is she it's this like bittersweet feeling I told you to go left and I went right Ooh, I told you that I loved you you couldn't tell I was lying cause I put a spell on you but I put my eyes on you for the last time some of the songs were written five years ago uh, I think for the last time was actually the first song I ever wrote that wasn't terrible. And I remember showing my friends and family and, and, and actually when I listened to it thinking this kind of, uh, you know, I, I'd be happy. I'm happy to play this from start to finish on acoustic guitar and it feels good. Um, to more recently, maybe like six months ago with a song called The Place We Knew and Time To Go, songs that I wrote, you know, relatively recently. Um, and the recording kind of took place over maybe two-year period um you know for instance i started recording 
uh, Be Alright two years ago, ended up recording that four different times. Seven Minutes was a little bit after that, but I, I, I was working on Seven Minutes uh, up until basically three weeks before it came out, before I had to hand it in. Um, a lot of the songs I would work with the producer when we recorded it, and then I would get home and uh, in, in Australia, and I'd, I'd bring in this guy called Dylan Nash, this Australian producer, and who sort of co-produced the whole album and with me, and we'd kind of like just sit there and just redo things and add things and kind of tie things together. So even though these songs were recorded, you know, in in uh, England, in Hitchin, and in uh, some in Los Angeles, and some in Australia, uh, we'd all kind of we, we kind of brought them all together and would just keep working on them again and again and again until there was that thread and they felt right. When I released a song of mine called Waves, uh, it was, you know, quite successful in Australia and it sort of enabled me to work with lots of different producers and I started getting these big names kind of thrown at me and I ended up going to America and recording Be Alright with this massive, amazing producer. For whatever reason, it didn't work out for me. Um, So I I basically went back to the guys that I really trusted, which was Nick and Ed, uh, Nick Atkinson and Ed Holloway. And we sort of went back to the drawing board on recording some of the songs and I had a really good relationship with those guys. I can be super honest. Like I can just say, I don't like that, you know, and they can say to me, you can do that better. Whereas when sometimes you have a, you don't have that relationship, you sort of spend a lot of time being nice to each other or you're not vibing on each other or whatever. And so they were really good. I also worked with a guy called John Castle down in Melbourne, um, who was incredible. Um, really loved the stuff he'd done in the past. And we went down there and recorded for a few days. And then Dylan Nash, uh, who's kind of, I guess, even though he's not credited, on everything he sort of he produced a song of mine called hold of me on the album and he mixed another song but he kind of has got co-production and additional production on a bunch of songs but he was sort of almost the most instrumental because uh, of what he brought to everything and, and bringing everything together and i met him doing this acoustic live performance of waves that we put on youtube and he was the audio guy there and reminded me of ed ed in ed holloway in the UK. And I'd always wanted someone in Australia who was as good as Ed, because, you know, it's hard, the time differences, Ed was super busy with stuff. So sometimes, you know, I'd be like, oh, can we work on this? And, you know, Ed being busy would be like, okay, I can do that in an, you know a couple of days. And, but the way that I'm so ADD, I sort of wanted it then. And so having Dylan was, uh, who was just as good was really helpful. And uh, he was very instrumental in how things sounded. And I really trust him. He's sort of like the, the right hand man. Uh, on the album. I forgot to love you, love you, love you. I forgot to love you, love you, love you. All the songs are mastered by actually Joe Laporta, but there's two EP tracks who we got mastered by, no, one EP track by Steve Smart in Australia. So we just used chemicals. chemicals. We got chemicals from the EP and decided to put that on the track the album because it's a fan favorite and i'm really proud of the song and sort of no one's heard it yet if you think of comparatively to the potential of the future um but steve smart mastered that and joe laporta mastered everything else i believe um he even remastered waves because um i wanted waves to feel like it felt too like it didn't feel like the same dynamic as the rest of the album so i just got it remastered and it feels like it sits better And all these little things, they start to fade away.
And in, in regards to what I work on and continue to work on throughout the process from rec- initial recording to the final version, it's nonstop. Like it's, you know, with seven minutes, I was, um, you know, adding different kinds of drums right up until the last kind of few weeks and adding guitars. And in a song like Straight Back Down, I changed the second pre-chorus lyrics because I thought they were a bit cheesy. And so it's constantly changing things. But also a lot of the time, I'll know when it's really good and I'll like when I can play an acoustic guitar and it feels right, I, I, I'll try not to change it too much because I actually have this massive loss aversion thing. I don't like to, I think if something's great, I'm very scared to mess with it, but I've had to sort of dive into that and maybe half the time to, and, and I've, I've learned that you can actually make things better and the initial inspiration doesn't necessarily mean it's the best. The track listing was very stressful. Um, I wanted to start with Holding Me because I thought, you know, it really matched my personality in the sense that I'm quite ADD and I just wanted, like I'm kind of, when I do something, I just kind of get straight into it and I thought that song has no intro and it's really a good start. Then I sort of wanted, the way that I wanted to shape it was I wanted to kind of have some of the bigger songs up front in the first half. It's quite intense. And then at the end, it sort of starts to chill out a little bit. Um, it just felt right for me. I didn't want to go slow, fast, slow, fast. I really played around with the arrangement a lot of the tracks and then, when I finally had something that felt right, I just sort of went, that's it. That sounds good to me and, and, and just never thought about it again. Walking slowly, trying to find a place to go. You begin to talk about your ex and the way that he would lose control. And all your friends are trying to throw me. They're asking questions I don't know. So the first track is Hold of Me and it was one of the more, I guess, newer songs or like the the, late, the latter songs that I finished on the album. Uh, I was staying in a beach house um, that my publishers owned and it was late at night. It was about 12 o'clock and I had to go and work with Dylan the very next day. Uh, Dylan Nash is an amazing producer and I had no ideas. And so I was up at night. My girlfriend at the time was next to me and I had my guitar and it was about 12 o'clock, I think, at night when the initial riff came to me in the, the kind of start, which was the walking slowly um, part. And I sort of started fleshing it out. And I sort of, my girlfriend was like, at the time was like half awake. And I was like, hey, listen to this. And then I uh, went in the next day and was like, hey, Dylan, have a listen to this song. And and we just basically recorded it, chucked in this really cool horn section. Because um, I really was into the idea of, I like, like, I like dance music, but I don't like the dance music production in my stuff so I wanted to have like a big build into this big drop and so I thought horns was a really good way to do that so yeah and it's sort of become one of my favorite songs on the album it's kind of different to the other songs because it's more about me saying to someone else uh, like, don't worry, you know, like, you're going to be okay, you got to trust me. And the idea is that this girl is really hurt in the song. And, uh, yeah, and it's turned out to be one of my favorite songs. I decided to choose for it to be the first song on the album because I thought it matched my personality in the sense of, like, just straight in. Like, no intro, just straight. The first word, walk in, as soon as you push play, comes on. And uh, I'm, I'm really proud of the song and the production and how it turned out.
It's been seven minutes now since I lost my way It doesn't seem like long but my whole world has changed Seven minutes was kind of a bit of an exception for the album and just in regards to everything I've ever done because we recorded a few songs that day uh, in Hitchin with, with Ed Holloway and Nick Atkinson and there was this other song that I'd written that I thought was really good and I didn't really think much of seven minutes. In fact, it was really stressful to to work on it because I just, I just, it just wasn't working. Um, and for whatever reason, we finished recording it and then about a month and a half later, I was in Los Angeles living at the time. Uh, I don't really remember exactly what for, but I got the songs back from the producer, from Ed, and I just went for a walk and I was listening to them and I heard, I went to the song that I thought was going to be great and I listened to it and was like, well, that's really underwhelming. I didn't get any feeling from it and I was really disappointed and then I pushed play on seven minutes the next one and was like, whoa, and was super blown away because I had never, whenever I'd done a song before, I generally know if it's going to be good or not just because I have a instinct about it like I'm like I'm this is this song's going to be great like you know um, it's happened a few times like a new beer right was a great song I just couldn't get the recording right whereas this one I didn't really think much of the song at the time so when I heard it and it blew me away yeah it made me feel uh, really excited and I was, I was like where, where did this come from and uh, and then I uh, basically took it over to Dylan and we just kept working on it and adding little things and bits and pieces and then we sent it to a mixer called Dan Grek. Uh, Gretsch, I keep I mess up his name, but he's one of the best mixers in the world, and he'd mixed uh, a couple of my previous songs on my EP, like Waves, and he sent it back, and it just sounded so amazing. And then that was the song that was the second single from my album. Cause we were hanging out in the parking lot. Now I sink a little deeper, think a little clearer, looking at myself. But there's another interesting story about that song, which was that the, the chorus of that song, which is. Is it too late to turn around? Is it too late to turn around? I'm already halfway out of town. I'm already halfway out of town. Was a line that just came into my head when I was uh, in England and I'd had this argument with this girl that I was seeing and I was I was in an Uber and the line just popped into my head. And when I got home, that sort of became the chorus. And that's only happened uh, a couple of times. The only other time it happened that I can think of now is for the, one of the songs that are that closed the album called For The Last Time. And that was for that, that song as well, the chorus for that just popped into my head when I was walking in a, in like a parking lot, like a garage. And uh, so if, uh, it's, it, it's very lucky when that happens. I forgot to love you, love you, love you. I forgot to love you, love you, love you. I can pitch you now, taking your makeup off. You come into my room and you kiss my lips But this hotel life, I'm not used to it A Place We Knew is one of my favourite songs on the album and I ended up calling it A Place We Knew even though it doesn't say that in the song because I wanted to call the album A Place We Knew and uh, it just the name fit the song. I was going to call it Your Heart Is My Home but because that's like I guess the chorus lyric but it didn't really fit the song and I didn't, I, I didn't really like the name. It felt a bit generic or something like that. Um, this was an interesting song because I was singing about basically uh, when I released Waves, I spent the next year living out of hotel rooms and it was quite a strange experience because I'd been with this person and uh, I'd spent so much time away and I was writing about things that we'd done, like how she always saw the best in me and 
you know, after a gig, her taking her makeup off. Um, uh, and, and she actually said to me the line, I can't take credit for this, but she said to me, your heart is my home. Your heart is my home. So I was like, that's amazing. And use it in a song, um, which is the chorus. Uh, but I got to the end of the song and I thought it was too happy. Um, and so I threw in <laughs> this, uh, I threw in the second verse bit, which is, uh, but when I walked through the door and I saw your face. When I walked through the door and I saw your face, oh, I knew in that moment that my world had changed. That my world had changed. How can I live my life since you've been and gone? And that was like the, f- the flip of like, I've been away for so long and now that I can tell that it's, it's over. And then the song started feeling like it meant something. And I think for me, that's why you, 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 I never just write like a happy, happy, happy song. If I do write a happy song, there's got to be some little twist in there um, because it just makes it mean something. Um, but it's a song that I'm really proud of. We've got a guy called Michael Brower to mix it in the USA and he's he just makes things sound warm and classic. And we use lots of different mixes for like all the different tracks because I, me and Mike, my A&R guy, we do research on like, um, well, this song is like in the ballpark of this song and I love what they did with it. So let's get that sound. And I'm big into references and stuff like that with like in regards to like, like which the drums should be as nice as they are in this song or the it should sound as warm the vocal should sound warm or be as dry or raw as this guy and I always find the guys that did that and so they can do the same on mine <laughs> do you know what I mean so uh, that's and, and I usually get a better result as opposed to just going here's the song do what you want you know the inner control freak in me would hate that so um, yeah and, and when we got this, the tracks back from Michael Brower after he mixed it it, it it was amazing it blew my mind and yeah it's one of my favourite songs A Place We Knew Stay Awake is an interesting song. It's a bit different because it's got like a groove to it, um, which is not like my other songs. Like none of my songs have groove in them. They're pretty straight. And I had this riff, this dun, 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 dun. And automatically melody started flowing over that. Um, the weird thing about this song is it actually sounds like the happiest song on the album. It, it sounds super happy, but if you listen to the lyrics, it's probably the saddest song because it's about the feeling of you know wanting to be with someone who doesn't want to be with you which is probably the saddest moment uh and the saddest thing one of the saddest things you can do because you can't hold on when someone's not really interested in you and the production of this one it was a long journey for this song almost like be all right um the demo the, the the demo was quite like it was very quick and it had this kind of disco beat to it and didn't sound like me at all so it's one of the songs i ended up when I was in Hitchin recording, I think seven minutes at the time, I showed Nick Atkinson and Ed, the producers, uh, stay awake, the demo. And they were like, Ooh, that doesn't sound like you. And, uh, I was like, yeah, it doesn't sound like me, but it felt so far in the other direction. I wasn't sure we could bring it in. And we basically redid the song and we changed the riff. We thought, Oh, the riff's too like, you know, just not right. And we changed it and then it was terrible. And then we just just went, you know what? We're just going to start from the, the ground up. And it still just didn't sound right. And I kept like pushing the producer, Ed, going, these drums don't feel right. And then he goes, okay, just give me give me 10 minutes. And we came back in and then the drums started sounding amazing and it sounded, it started sounding raw because I wanted it to sound really like in a room 
like not like the Lumineers, but some like the feeling that they have in their songs. I sort of was like, well, if we can get a little bit of that, the song's going to sound credible because I didn't want it to sound cheesy or anything like that. Um, so we kept working on it, and eventually it sounded great. Then we sent it off to uh, Spike Stent, this incredible mixer, one of the best mixers in the world. Um, like probably he's insane. Like I've never worked with, I work with a lot of big name people, but I've never worked with a big name person who is legitimately a, a magician and who can make a song sound unbelievable from like the demo to the refi- finished mix. The difference is what he, to what he does to the songs and the vocal and the production is he makes it like twice as good. Um, but then once again, to the disappointment of everyone around me, I was like, no, nah, it's still not right. And I took it back to Dylan and we added these timbale sort of drums into the choruses. We added some uh, nylon string guitar. We uh, re-recorded the second verse because it used to, uh, this, the, the first verse and the second verse, actually the second half, and the, they both have the same lyric. And I felt like it wasn't growing. Um, so I sung the second verse in a higher octave. So when it, when it goes... Um, they they say the bigger the love the harder the f- uh, the fall. I used that used to be low octave, but I I, I went up to uh, now I'm crashing through the floor. And all of a sudden that new that that second verse felt different to this first verse, and it felt like it was building. And that's what I always want out of a song. I want it to continue to build. And uh, yeah, and it ended up coming out really amazing. We sent it back to Spike, and he kept uh, you know he just added all the things and. It's probably going to be, uh, it's probably the song I'm most excited about, that and Hold of Me, I think. Um, and I can't wait for it to come out. I guess that the idea of stay awake with me is, it's not like literal, I guess. Uh, it's like the idea of, uh, I guess it's like a, and I don't use a lot of metaphors in my songs, but I guess it's like the idea of um, stay awake with me as in give me another chance. That's the meaning behind it. Um, and I guess that's why I worked on the production so hard because I wanted I wanted the production and the feeling of the production to influence what people took from it. When the morning comes, oh, if the feeling's gone. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, Waves, um, I wrote the song about kind of trying to get the feeling of excitement and youth back, um, and in a weird way, the song brought all this excitement back into my life and sort of opened all these doors and enabled me to do what I'm doing now, which is really cool, and I owe a lot to this song. It was a song that when I finished recording it, I put my phone up to the speaker and I push record 
and before I left Hitchin with with Nick and Ed, and I jumped on the train back to London, and I was listening to this the crappy version on my iPhone, and I messaged my manager saying, I think we just recorded something really special, and so I knew right away it was good. Showed my brother Sean, and Sean thought it was you know he's always been like a good barometer, and he was like this is a tune, and you know we actually thought this song was done when it was like a demo. We were just like it's done, but I met Dan Greck. Uh, the, the, this incredible mixer and we were talking about w- working together and I was talking to him about potentially producing Be Alright because he's a producer and a mixer which never ended up happening but he goes to me hey I heard the demo of Waves he, he goes that's a demo right and I go no that's the final version and he goes please let me work on the drums please and I'm like but it sounds amazing like you know I was like what are you talking about and then um, and then uh, we just let him have it we're like sure go do you know, work on it and he sent it back and he made my voice sound amazing. He made the drums sound epic. Like he, this was, it was night and day difference. And if you listen to the demo version now, which was going to be the version, it doesn't hold a candle to it. So very lucky that he came into my life and reworked that. I mean, will mix the song for me. Um, and yeah, the song obviously opened a lot of doors. And I decided that I should put on the album because I, I think I owe it to the song uh, to potentially because so many. Hopefully, if everything goes well, a lot of people are going to hear the album and I and they wouldn't have heard waves so I think it's it's a good song for them to hear so be right is a song that completely changed my life I look up from the ground to see your sad and teary eyes. You look away from me. I used to say that about waves, but this was on a whole new scale. It was worldwide. Um, didn't expect that. Although I, I knew the song was good because I would play it to people live, and people would always come up to me and be like, "What was that song about the phone?" I'm like that. That's awesome. And and it was. I never had that like so much about one song, and people seemed to connect with it more. I wrote it about seeing a message on my ex-girlfriend's phone, but also about a bunch of like relationships that my friends and family had had and some crazy things they told me. And I sort of combined it all into this song. And it was actually the hardest song to record. I recorded it four times. And in the end, what I did was I went back to Nick and Ed again, and we uh, basically took it up a key. And I, I was staying in my brother's apartment and was trying to figure out why the chorus never felt like a chorus. And that's when I decided to take it up a key. And all of a sudden, it just popped. And my friend said, I know you love her, but it's over, mate. It doesn't matter, put the phone away. My register of the vocal sort of matched the intensity of the, the emotion of the song. And it's really rare. Most songs you can build up with production. But this song, it was all about the voice and all about the vocal recording. So we just recorded it so many times and tried to get it right. And after like two years after writing it, I finally recorded it properly. And we were like, this is the version. Love you born to find But nothing heals The past like time They can't steal the love you're born to find and They can't steal The love you're born to find I guess that's the It's probably the only lyric in the song that's not direct It's like a bit uh, Make your own mind up what you, you think about it Do you know what I mean? Um, I guess the idea is that you're, there's always someone out there and it's, it's like, because the song is quite uh, hopeful, strangely, is what a lot of people 
I guess you hear the song, it's quite sad, but there's also a lot of hope in it because it's like your friends surrounding you saying, you know, you'll be all right and, you know, you'll be fine. And I guess that's another part of the song that's quite hopeful, saying that uh, there's someone out there for you. If you're, if you're, if you're worried, don't worry. It's, it's, you'll find it. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. I fell in love with the chemicals. I used to pray for a miracle, but now. Chemicals is a song that I recorded with John Castle. We actually recorded like four songs in five days, and this was one of them. Uh, recorded it down in Melbourne. In uh, he just moved into this new studio, and it's kind of a, a weird time. Like we were recording so much stuff, it was hard to keep track of if it was good or not. Um, but it, this is like one of the oldest songs that I'd written on a on a road trip, and. I'd kind of had it for a few years. Um, all the lyrics in this song sort of in a weird way flew down, like one of the super lucky moments where I guess I hadn't entered that second stage of my songwriting where I like knew that I could actually sort of craft lyrics into whatever meaning I wanted. I was still just kind of writing just what, what came down and like, oh, that sounds good. That's it. And luckily every one in a hundred times you do that, you get a song that's actually good and it makes sense just by almost statistically, you know, because the, the 99 other times are going to suck. Um, and this song just worked and I recorded it um, with John and then we got it mixed by Ed and it just had a feeling and I decided to put it on the album because it's kind of like, it sort of became a fan favorite. Um, yeah, my fans really like it and they always sing along. And I thought I owe it to the song again to put this on there and it just fit really well. I guess it's one of the songs that I'm most proud of on the EP and uh, I'm happy that it's made the album. Straight Back Down is kind of, I guess, the dark horse because I've never played it live and not many people have ever heard it. And it's kind of like, I guess, a sneaky little potential single, even though I don't know if it will be because there's other ones in front of it. But in another life, I feel like this could have been like the lead single off the album, which is kind of weird. Um, I almost feel like it's a bit of a waste to put it out like this because I'm so proud of it. I think it's such a big song, but I just don't know if it's going to get a massive light because the other songs are sort of going to be a few there's a few songs ahead of it but the way you look brings me straight back down i don't want to wake you up but it's a song that i was with my ex-girlfriend and we were staying at this place called the brilliant building that my publishers used to own it's been knocked down now maybe a year and a half ago and i was trying to impress her no actually it was probably 2 years ago and i was trying to impress her and i had my guitar and she was recording on her phone because I had this good idea. And I said to her, um, my phone had died. And I said, oh, could you record this on your phone? And I had this thing. I had the verses, um, you know, I find it hard to sleep when and all that stuff. And then I had this, dun, I had this riff that was going. Dun, 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 dun. And then I was going to record a song with Nick and Ed. I had, they booked me in a week and I was like, I don't have any songs. And I was telling her, and she goes, no, you have this one. And I'm like, what song? She goes, remember when we were hanging out, you, I recorded it on my iPhone. 
And she sent it to me and I was like, that's what we're recording tomorrow. So it's a song that wouldn't exist if she didn't remind me of it. Um, I'm glad she did because it's turned out to be one of my favorite songs. And it's weird because it has this um, low vocal register. I sing very low and then probably the highest I've ever sung before as we go into the chorus. It hits this like, I don't want to wake you up right now. And it's so hard to sing that live. I think we're going to have to try to bring the key down because I just don't want to lose my voice every night because there's so many shows I've got to do. So that's, I'm really not looking forward to playing that live because it's so taxing. But I can't wait for people to hear it, especially at festivals, because, um, yeah, I think it's going to do really well at festivals. So Time To Go is a song that I started writing in a sunset marquee. Uh, maybe like maybe like six six to nine months ago and I, I had a night off in New York once and I had a little bit of the, the riff this awesome riff that just came out of nowhere and I was so excited about it because as soon as I started playing it I was like I hadn't done anything like this before and melodies have started appear, appearing and so I had a night off in New York and I, and I was staying at this place called the Nomo Soho Hotel and they had these tiny little rooms and I was like I have a night off I'm not leaving because I hadn't written a song in a while I'm not leaving this room until I finish this song. And I basically just stayed in there and finished it. And and then I, the next day I went to like a rehearsal space and was like playing it. I was like, and then I started playing it at shows acoustically, but I didn't have the bridge. And then on one of my Australian tours, we were sound checking. No, we were, yeah, we were sound checking for a gig. And I was showing the guys the song. I was like, hey, listen to this. And then all of a sudden the bridge just popped into my head. The, uh, I won't let you down. No, I won't let you down. And I started, I just was like, hey guys, one second. I pushed record on my iPhone and like just sung the bridge. And it built up into this epic finale. And I was like, oh, this is cool. So I finished it. And that and A Place We Knew, I, I, I recorded the demos on my iPhone and sent them to Dan Hume. I'd always wanted to work with him as a producer. Um, and we went down to... Byron Bay and recorded uh, at a place, I think it was in Mullenbimbi, it's this epic studio on like this field and uh, it kind of looks like Jurassic Park and went down with him and we just recorded them in a week or like four days and it was a really cool experience. It was just like, you know, beach vibe, just like, you know, like um, not many people around. Um, We'd go back and stay on this beach house where he was staying, he's like had a spare room there and it was really cool and uh, it's turned out to be one of my favorite songs. I wanted to keep it very raw. Um, and we did a couple of mixes where a lot more reverb and it was all more spacey. I'm like, no, 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 we've got to peel it all back. So it's really raw. And it's one of my favorite songs on the album. Don't hold me, cause I am falling back down And I wouldn't wanna see you hit the ground So Don't Hold Me is a song that actually I recorded for my EP with John Castle But it was, it just didn't sound right, like the production wasn't right um, There were some vocal things that didn't feel right 
And when we released Waves, we were kind of rushed to put out stuff. And I had this other song called Let Go. So I ended up putting that on the EP, which was sort of a demo as well. But it was just sort of a song that I wanted to, I, I really liked Don't Hold Me. I had it for a long time and I thought, I'll put, I, I'm happy to put Let Go on, but I want to, you know, work on Don't Hold Me. And so I ended up taking it in with uh, Nick and Ed. They added one or two things. Then when I got back to Australia, I took it in with Dylan Nash which is kind of weird because like it's such a simple song, but it's probably got the most names of producers on it just because of how I work. And um, Dylan added a bunch of different drums. We redid some vocal things and then I got him to mix it. And he did a really good job. Like, you know, the, the people who mix this album are like very big names in America and England, like some of the best guys in the world. And I had a lot of faith in Dylan and I just said, do you want to mix this, see what you can do? And it stands up against theirs as well, which is really cool, which is like a testament to him. production is definitely more restrained the first version we did it was kind of the, the drums and stuff started kicking in from the second chorus uh oh, from the first chorus actually and i just wanted to keep it really raw like i feel like i i felt like i had the big songs on the album and i felt like i could sort of then start doing what was right for that song i didn't need to it's not going to be a single in my opinion it's just a, a great song i'm really proud of I'm like, I just, what's the best thing to do? And I think keeping it simple and letting the vocal do the work and the acoustic guitar and then building at the end, it's felt right. Somebody knocking at the door And I had a drink in hand But I was looking for something more When I put my eyes on you I fell in love with you For the last time For the Last Time is one of the, my favourite songs on the album And the first song that I ever wrote uh, That wasn't terrible And I mean that I remember showing my friends and family And being like yeah, this is as good as a song that I, I, at least I thought that, you know, and I'm a very critical person, but like, you know, the people that I looked up to, I thought, well, if they sung that, I would like this song. And I was like, okay, you know, maybe I can do this. And I think that's a very important thing for every artist is to have that first song that makes you believe it's possible. And this was it for me. The chorus came into my head when I was walking in my car park uh, at the time, maybe five years ago, actually. It was the oldest song on the album. And it was... Uh, the line was, the brighter that we shine leaves a bigger shadow in our wake. And that came into my head and I took my phone out and started recording and I sat in my car and then I sat, sat there until the rest of the song, the rest of the lines came out. So, the brighter that we shine leaves a bigger shadow in our wake. A story we can tell another time. But if this was love and I was wrong, then I'll admit the mistakes. If this was love and I was wrong, and I'll admit the mistakes that we made were always mine. And then I was like, okay, that's great. And then I went where I was going. And then when I got home, I started working on the rest of the song. I told you to go left and I went right. Ooh, I told you that I loved you. 
couldn't tell I was lying Cause I put a spell on you But I put my eyes on you For the last time I recorded this with Nick and Ed as well. It's, uh, I was worried about it. Like, I always get worried when I'm recording a song that's so old that I've played so many times doing the actual recording. Sometimes you, you change things as it progresses. Um, but this song, when we recorded it, it sounded really good. Um, it's a really raw song, and I think one that could be a bit of a dark horse on the album as well. Like, it could be a song that does quite well in the sense of maybe it's not an obvious single, but I think people are going to connect with it because of the lyrics and because of, I think the production lends itself to sort of being that slow song, maybe like a be all right can kind of sneak up on us. Please don't go. So when we finished recording it, I sent it, we sent it off to Michael Brower again because I thought the how classic and warm the stuff that he does is. And the stuff that he did, for instance, with someone like James Bay or Tom O'Dell, I really liked what he did with, with that stuff. So I sent it to him and he made it sound really warm and classic. And when it came back, it just yeah blew my mind and really happy with how that song turned out. I was wrong to say I loved her. I was wrong to think I'm right. When I told her it was over, oh my darling, I had lied. Half a Man is uh, a very old song, uh, probably around a little bit after I wrote um, For the Last Time. And it's a song that I actually, when I wrote the chorus in my bathroom, the I knew it was, ama- I knew it was amazing. I mean, I knew, I knew it was special because uh, it just made my, you know, the, the hairs on the back of my neck stick up. Like I was really like, wow, okay, this feels like a very vulnerable, open and honest thing to say. And it was about feeling not good enough at the time, which I don't necessarily feel now, but at the time, that's how I felt. And also around that period, I was writing songs for other artists and I had this publishing deal. And I, when I wrote it, I, I was at this songwriting camp um, the next day. So I'd written it by myself and then I went to the songwriting camp and we, I was writing songs with, with other artists and for them. And um, after we finished, I was with this guy called John Hume and I said, he's like a producer writer. And I said, hey man, like I wrote this chorus. I think we could give it to another artist. But how am I supposed to love you when I don't love who I am? And how can I give you all of me when I'm only half a man? He's like, oh, that's, 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 wow. And then my friend Hayley Warner was in the room as well. And we just kind of like finished the song. We were just like, you know, and then as soon as I finished it, I, we all sort of went, yeah, no one else can sing this. It was just, it was so me. And it was, uh, so it's, um, it's a song that, yeah, it, I'm, I'm very proud of this song. It could have been given away. There was a lot of pressure for me to give it away, but I just thought I'd hold on to it. I always saw it as a song to close the album. And even though I didn't want to be the piano guy, because I realized that there's so many guys out there playing piano and acoustic guitar solo, like doing the singer-songwriter thing, really just like with no other instrumentation. I realized very early on I didn't really want to compete with that, and that's how I viewed it because there's so many people. That guy might have a better voice. That girl might play better than me. Like I wanted to, I wanted it to be bigger, but this is the one song I was like, it's the, it's the last track on the album. You can have a piano song, and it's how the song... You know, I, when I play it live, my fans really, really like this song. It's one of their favorites. When I'm only half a man. So I put it on at the end, and um, we we recorded it with Nick and Ed again uh, at a rainy day in England in Hitchin. Like at the studio, our fo- our phones don't work. There's no one around because um, there's no reception out that way. Like there is, but you got to stand in one spot. 
and I think it comes through. We spent a lot of time working on the piano, like getting the keyboard sounding right and looking for the right sounds to try to make it real. Yeah, it's a song that's probably the most vulnerable on there. I, I always feel a bit awkward singing it live on stage because it's so, like, to say that's quite a brutal thing. But how am I supposed to love you when I don't love who I am? And how can I give you all of me when I'm only half a man? But it's a good song, so I believe in it. Cause I'm a sinking ship that's burning, so let go of my hand. Well, how can I give you all of me when I'm only half a man? A Place We Knew is available now. For more info, head to deanlewismusic.com. Other Side of the Tracks is produced in Sydney, Australia by U Music Media House, a subsidiary of Universal Music Australia. This episode was recorded and edited by the team at Forbes Street Studios in Woolloomooloo. For more... Visit other side of the trackspod.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.